Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Joining us right now, one of my favorite people in this business, one of my favorite people, period. Ian Eagle of CBS Sports, Westwood One, Yes Network. He's calling Chargers and Jets on Sunday. Ian, good morning. Thanks as always. How are you? Hi, Ian. Hey, guys. Good morning. Could I, could I get something just off my chest right off? <laughs> sure. Go ahead. I want to apologize uh, personally to your producer, <laughs> uh, Max Baseglia. <laughs> I'm sorry, uh, Milt Baseglia. <laughs> yes. You know what sucks is Milt isn't here today of all days. It's unbelievable. Uh, sorry, one more time. Uh, Maury Baseglia. <laughs> is it Mark Baseglia? What is it exactly? It is It is Mike Pesegli, and if you don't know what Ian's talking about, we have the clip here. There is a very popular segment on the Nets TV broadcast called Where Brooklyn At? They did the pet edition. Our producer, Mike Pesegli, submits a picture of, his, of him and his cat, Leon, and Ian mentions them, and then, of course, at the end, there was a little bit of a mistake. Cats and Dogs edition of Where Brooklyn At? Do you remember Damari Carroll's cat suit? Yeah. Well, it was inspirational. Was that a cat? <laughs> Keep going, brother. <laughs> Leon Baseglia loved it. And now, little Leon is a huge Carroll fan. 14 months old, lives with his owner, Mike, in Bloomfield, New Jersey. Thank you to Leon and Matt. You notice how owners can look like they're... <laughs> Which is just amazing. And it's so... Like, you of all people who never... You, and I know you're going to contradict this, but you never make mistakes. You are oh, all, no, you never. never make mistakes. And in that instance, which is the greatest moment in Mike's life, and you are his idol, you called him Matt. Yeah, I, I think I was just taken by their their closeness. <laughs> I, I looked up at the screen and... And there was Leon, who is a beautiful cat, by yes. the way. It's just Stunning. picturesque. Yeah. And uh, Leon was face-to-face with Mike. It was a very close shot of the two of them. And, and I thought they I thought they looked alike. That, that's what, what struck me. So, I, I don't know. I lost my mind just uh, in that one moment. Now, did you uh, just, know? Because you've talked to Mike several times and booking the show, and he's like a sycophant of the, the Nets and you and everything. <laughs> like, did you know when you saw him that that was, that was him? It was our producer? Or was it just, you thought, random fan? No. No, no. I... Uh, I knew. Oh, okay. I knew that was that was Mike and and lovely little Leon. <laughs> well, that'll make him feel better. <laughs> oh my goodness, that was one of the great moments of all time. Uh, all right, so how like at this point of the year, are you like just where are you getting your energy from? <laughs> Drugs. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was hoping your answer. Yeah, you, you, you went right for the jugular, and, and you're 100 percent correct. No, it's all good. Uh, juggling games and and running around, waiting for the Week 17 assignment. The way things are set up in the NFL now, because of the uh, cross flex, because NBC has the option to pick any game they want on the schedule for Week 17. 
we have no idea where we're going. It's all completely up in the air. Do they take your uh, your travel itinerary for basketball and other assignments into account when giving you a game on? Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> I didn't think so. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I, I go where they tell me to okay. go, and, and that's part of the deal. And that's more than okay. That's uh, the way it should be. Uh, the assignment is based on their determination behind the schemes, on – Market share, matchup, all those things. So no, the the basketball doesn't play a role in it. You just you figure it out. Sad news this morning with Dick Enberg. What are your thoughts oh. on him? Yeah, I woke up and and I had a, a stream of texts, and uh, I could tell you when when Dick came over to CBS in in two thousand, uh, it was the first time I met him. I had not been in his company prior to that, and just so saddened to hear. Uh, hear about his passing he he's such a classy guy and his love of the game and his love of the job reverberated through the screen when when you watched a game that was covered by dick enberg you could feel the humanity you could feel the vibrant tones of his voice he was a wordsmith a legend a storyteller and the versatility is what always struck me, and it was something on a personal level that that I always aspired to, to be put in any position and still call the game in a professional manner and to have your passion come through. He wanted to be in that chair. He wanted that headset on. And then when you get a chance to meet him as a colleague, everything that you believed was validated. Uh, his, uh, His whole being was was positive and really just a terrible story today that uh, that Dick passed away. He he was really a a wonderful guy to be around and we we just got his Christmas card 2 days ago with his grandkids on the back and a picture of him and his son who mm-hmm. has now gone into the the broadcasting field both wearing a headset in a broadcast booth so wow. they had a chance to broadcast a game together and, and literally the, the christmas card came two days ago all right how about his longevity i mean i would think as somebody that can relate to his versatility and his ability to call so many different sports like the fact that he was able to do it into his you know 70s yeah it speaks to his his mind he was so sharp and he also had this ability to, to get to the heart of things. Uh, you know, the one thing when you're trying to figure out how to navigate your way through this business, you've got to know in the moment as a play-by-play announcer, what's the most important part of what just happened? And can you deliver it in that moment? And that's a gift that Dick had across all sports. <laughs> the fact that, he could do baseball and football and basketball at the highest of levels to be inducted into the respective Hall of Fames of those sports and then switch over and become the best tennis announcer in the sport. Even though, uh, by his own admission, going all the way back, he didn't really have a tennis background. He learned it. He lived it. He breathed it. And along with Bud Collins, became a legendary combination at NBC then John McEnroe steps in and I think if if you spoke with John uh, he would tell you that the reason why he was so successful 
was he had Dick Enberg next to him, and he learned from the best. So that that speaks to uh, the the multidimensional talents that that Dick had. Talking to Ian Eagle on CBS Sports Radio, we opened up the show today talking about the NFL and the year that it's gone through, and it's been a tough one. I mean, there's been more yeah. negative stories this year than I can ever remember, and I don't think that's a recency bias thing. Uh, what story can you see developing in the postseason that could help relieve some of the stench that we've experienced in the regular season? Yeah, it's been a strange year. You're right. Now, look, here we are, week 16. There are still divisions that are competitive. There are playoff spots, plenty of them still up for grabs. There's still intrigue. But how we got here has been a much bumpier road than we've grown accustomed to in recent years. And I think for a lot of NFL executives that have been at the forefront of this game growing and the league exploding and the television ratings and the amount of money that is coming in from television and salaries going up and the boom in the NFL – they are looking around and uh, probably staring at one another and saying, what, what happened here? What, what, what exactly took place in the last year and change that has uh, distracted from the game, from the game itself? I think uh, you probably could get a, a little bit of a Cinderella story that develops, and that might come out of the NFC with, with Minnesota. I'm very curious to see if Case Keenum can, can – carry a team to a Super Bowl. I don't, I'm not saying that he would have to do it on his own. That's a really good defense and a lot of weapons on offense. But that's something that could capture people's attention. Now, whether or not that would be the best story for the NFL that normally looks at stars as the way to go, playing the hits, Tom Brady going to the Super Bowl and playing Seattle is one of those things that the NFL has seen before. It's worked before. But I think just based on the way this, this season has gone, uh, it, it could be one of those those Cinderella-type stories that emerge that uh, maybe captures the attention of some people that haven't been paying attention all year. What do you make of the L.A. teams in all of that? You know, you, you, it's the second biggest market, but we've seen the way that, you know, the Chargers situation with the soccer stadium and – L.A. plays in like a 100,000-seat stadium, but you still you still see a lot of empty seats. Do you think it's good for the league if both L.A. teams make it to the playoffs? Yeah, I think it is. I think it's been a bad optic, what you just alluded to, with uh, playing the games at the Coliseum. It just doesn't look good. There are still a lot of people in there, but the way that you view it when you see that wide shot is, oh, boy, look at all the empty seats. The the Chargers situation, you know, I just heard about it. I, I hadn't been to the stadium. And then two weeks ago, I had Chargers Washington out in L.A. And I got to tell you, it was not nearly as bad as it was made out to be. It's a little strange getting in there. It doesn't feel like an NFL game. Even just getting to the press box is, is a bit odd. In most NFL stadiums, there's an elevator, there's an entrance. You take that. And you go up, and, and now you're in your own little world. Here, you have to maneuver through a sea of humanity. You have to go up to a platform, walk through by the fans. I'm walking with Charger legend Dan Fouts, by the way. Oh. And to see the look on people's faces, you know, they're, in, they're into their, like, eighth Bud Light. And they're like, <laughs> what? What? 
That's Iron Eagle. That? <laughs> no. <laughs> and and it's it was actually very comical. Uh, I think the league is is really doing its best to establish some roots again in in L.A. and it doesn't happen overnight. Uh, it's it's been it's been a very slow developing dynamic with the Los Angeles fans getting back into the flow of things. Just think about it, because all of the years that have passed by, you've missed out on a generation of potential fans for those teams. They they just never connected. So if you're a if you're a 13, 14 year old you have and feel no connection to the Rams or the Chargers during those years, those formative years where, where you're forming your own opinions on who you want to root for and what, what teams you like. I'm not sure the Rams and the Chargers ever popped up in a lot of these kids' minds. And now all of a sudden you're in sixth, seventh, or eighth grade and you're told, hey, you've got to start rooting for these teams. They're local. Uh, I don't know if, if those age groups think that way and if they just automatically say, yeah, that, that makes sense. They've already developed their love of the Cowboys or of the Ravens or the Vikings or wherever it might be. So I think it's going to take a little bit of time. Every time I travel, and it's very infrequently, I have anxiety about it. I dread it. I can't stand it during the moment. Mm-hmm. I have. I think back on how much I hated it. You travel more than just about anybody I know. Other than being away from your family the times that you're away, what is the most annoying thing about traveling as much as you travel? I find that during the the months of September through March, when I'm when I'm really in the throes of it, I have to go to a mental happy place to avoid becoming completely insane. I'd say number one, if we're ranking them, and <laughs> this would be a long list, but number one ranking uh, through the years when the plane lands and I'm sitting in the aisle. And the person across from me, oftentimes a, a larger man, has to be the first to get his stuff out of the overhead bin. There's that very brief moment, and, and it could be three to five seconds, but boy, does it ever resonate with you, where he extends up to grab his stuff, and then the angle of his legs place his derriere <laughs> right in my face. Yep. And it's called uh, typically manass. You get manass <laughs> right there. And in any other walk of life, if that happened, you would be very much offended and may even look to press charges. <laughs> but somehow on an airplane, that's acceptable. It's like international it's, waters, right? It is. And it's inches <laughs> away. And we're not talking about feet away. It's, and you have nowhere to go. There's nowhere to hide. You could turn, but it's still there. You can't get away from it. The, the one thing that, that has struck me in, in recent months that is amazing to me, when the, when the bathroom's in the front of the plane, invariably, every single flight, I've noticed now, a confused person will go to the front of the plane, and they're searching for the bathroom, and it appears as if they want to open up the door to the plane. They don't know <laughs> that that's not the bathroom. Every single flight, somebody is confused enough to go, what, is, is this it? Like, no, dude. <laughs> that's, the, that's the plane door. You're going to die even though you still have to urinate. Like, figure out where the bathroom is. It's just a little farther. There aren't that many options. 
Don't open the door to the plane, man. They can't, That's right? Smart. They can't. There's no way. They're, like, I don't think that they can are capable of doing this. God, I hope so. God, would that know, be a story? I just see them stumble into that area and think to myself, seriously? You you seriously, you believe that's the bathroom? In this moment, that's what you're going with. It makes no sense. Broadcaster Ian Eagle sucked out of plane, parachutes into Barclays Center for pregame show. <laughs> on dead Still gets right producer's now. name wrong. Right. <laughs> yeah, it messes up producer's <laughs> name. <laughs> Ian, thanks that's for the time. The <laughs> thanks for the time as always, man. Love talking to you. All right, guys. I don't. I don't know if I'm going to be able to say any kind of emotional goodbye when uh, when the show's over. So, uh, Cleo, I, I just want to wish you the best. <laughs> Thanks, man. And Bo- tell Bones he's going to do great. <laughs> this was one of my favorite shows. Cleo and Bones. I just loved it from day one. That's Ian Eagle on Cleo and Bones. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.